We're continuing with our series in the book of Obadiah, but I'm going to go a little different direction today. Still dealing with a few verses there, but do some other readings as well. Lord, we honor you today and we thank you for your righteousness. We pray that as we um, hear the word of God, that you will help us to govern ourselves and our hearts. Give us ears to hear. We thank you for the tremendous devotion and just the worship of the King of glory. That God, when I think about King David, how he rejoiced and danced before the Lord. Um, And today we thank you that we can worship you, not crazily, but exuberantly and with our whole heart. We honor you for being God. We thank you for being the Savior of our soul. And be with us. Give us ears. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm first going to read verses from the book of Obadiah. Because Obadiah has one chapter, we often just say the verse, since you don't have to say chapter 1 verse, but for those who are new to the church, we'll say Obadiah chapter 1 verses today, 13 and 14. And then I'm going to go over to the, um, continue the Old Testament and go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 24. Do quite a bit of reading there. I'm going to read verses 8 through 20. Then I'm going to read a portion in the book of Daniel chapter 1. For those who are writing scriptures down for background scriptures as well, if you want to write down Jeremiah chapter 38, verses 14 through 28, and Jeremiah 27, 1 through 15, you can, you can read those, um, and I might read a portion of those as I, as I go on, but I'm not quite sure. Obadiah 13 and 14, this is what it says. Do not enter the gate of my people. Do not enter the gate of my people. In the day of their calamity, do not gloat over his disaster. In the day of his calamity, do not loot his wealth. In the day of his calamity, do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. Second Kings, go back. Second Chronicles, Second Kings chapter 24, <laughs> Deuteronomy, uh, Second Kings chapter 24, and this is what it says, beginning in verse 8, and for those who are wondering what version I'm reading from, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, Second Kings chapter 24, beginning at verse 8, this is what it says, I'm going to read to the end, Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king. And he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Nehushtay, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. Verse again, 10. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to the city while the servants were besieging it. And Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon, himself and his mother and his servants and his officials and the palace officials. The king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year of his reign and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord which Solomon, king of Israel, had made. 
as the Lord had foretold. He carried away all Jerusalem and all the officials and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives, and all the craftsmen and the smiths. None remained except the poorest people in the land. And he carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon, the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the chief men of the land took into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon all the men of valor, 7,000, and the craftsmen and the metal workers, 1,000, all of them strong and fit for war. And the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name, changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Amutal, uh, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. I'm going to go ahead and read a portion of 25. Go right over. I'm going to read down to verse 7. 25, 1 through 7. And in the ninth year of his reign, in the, in the tenth month, on the day, excuse me, on the tenth day of the month, I'm going to start over. And in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, and on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And they built siege works all around it. The city was besieged till the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls, by the king's garden, and the Chaldeans were around the city. Chaldeans, another name for Babylon. And they went in the direction of the Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Ribla, and they passed sentence on him. They were brutal back then. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains and took him to Babylon. In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, that was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to stop there. That was seven. Go back to seven. He put out the eyes, and they took him to Babylon. One of the passages right now that I'm going to read is Daniel chapter 1. Go back to the right. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Daniel 1, 1 and 2, right after Ezekiel. If you got to Ezekiel, before Hosea. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. We're continuing with our series entitled, when pride meets with coming 
Judgment, Part 5. When pride meets with coming judgment. The Lord had given warning to Zedekiah through the prophet Jeremiah that we didn't read. I want you to read that on your own. I gave you the passages. To surrender to the king of Babylon. Jeremiah 38, 14 through 28, and Jeremiah 27, 1 through 15. Jeremiah had been put into a cistern by evil men, and an Ethiopian by the name of Abed-Melech received permission from the king to get him out. Because he said that because of the famine, he's going to die if he is left in that cistern. The false prophets had been telling King Zedekiah that he did not need to surrender to the king. In fact, there would not be any surrender and that he would be victorious. And Jeremiah had been calling them liars. And they hated Jeremiah. When you look at Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of these books, they, they talk about the captivity of the children of Israel or Judah going into captivity to Babylon. And as I mentioned, I'm going to make a correction for myself, or I'm not sure it's a correction, but just a change. As I was doing some study, I've been telling you that in the three different deportations of Israel to Babylon, that Daniel, whom we also have as friends, Shadrach, we know them as the Babylonian names, Meshach and Abednego, that they were taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar at the third invasion. But in my study, I, I want to revise that. I believe they were taken in the first invasion. Three invasions, 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and 586. Now let me just share this. There was a king by the name of Jehoiakim, who was the judge, or king rather, of Judah. Now the Lord had been telling the children of Israel that if you sin against me, I'm going to use your enemy to chastise you. And he had given them ample, ample warning. In fact, when they came out of the land of Egypt, he says, I'm going to bring you into a prosperous land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have vineyards. You're going to have groves and everything that you didn't even build, nor did you even plant, nor work for. I'm going to just give it to you. But you've got to follow my directions. If you don't, I'm going to use your enemies to chastise you. And then I will send prophets to warn you and to tell them that if you turn to me, I'll forgive you and bring you back to myself. And then those who have chastised you, I'm going to deal with them. Jehoiakim was king probably around 609 B.C., before the first invasion by King Nebuchadnezzar. King had put him in charge and said, now, well, there had been wars. Let me back up just briefly. King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon was on the rise. Egypt and Syria were on the decline, and it was it was the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, at the Battle of Carchemish that defeated them. When King Nebuchadnezzar had defeated these two kings, he moved on towards Jerusalem. This was a divine appointment that God said, I'm going to use Nebuchadnezzar to chastise you and you are to surrender to him. But some of the kings refused to listen to the prophets. 
It says, go on down to Babylon. God's going to bring you back. Just obey, do what he says, and he'll bring you back to the land. But some of them says, we, we're, we're not going to submit. And Jehoiakim rebelled. And when he did, Nebuchadnezzar sent his guards, and they came and they laid siege to Jerusalem. It was around 608, 607 B.C. when Egypt and Syria were taken off the scene, and around now 605, 606, 605, when he moved on to Jerusalem, and they laid what they said, siege works. They, they would just wake you out. You don't want to surrender? We'll just go ahead and set up camp right here. They siege work. We're going to just wait you out until you don't have no more food. So that's what they would do. They come so nobody can go out and nobody can come in. Well, Jehoiakim was captured, killed. His son, Jehoiachin, was put into power for three months, and he rebelled. The first Babylonian captivity in 605 is believed when Daniel and the three boys were taken to Babylon. I believe Babylon is about 500 miles or so from, from Jerusalem. Can you imagine? You ain't got no car. You got to walk 500 miles. Some of y'all corns will be hurting your feet. Some of y'all are saying, Lord, I need some Mr. Scholes, Dr. Scholes. What's those foam cushions that they got now? What are those called? Memory foam? Some of y'all have been asking for all this. So I, we're Claude. Claude just walked out. Claude, you, you gotta, he, he would have to get some tennis shoes, some athletic shoes. He couldn't be wearing, he couldn't be wearing them sharp shoes. Here, Claude out there on, trying to fish with them sharp shoes. Those fish are going to pull them right into the water. <laughs> cool, this one, man. I know he, I know he heard me. <laughs> So Jehoiakim has been removed. His son, Jehoiachin, comes. And all he has to do is listen and obey. Do what he is supposed to do. So as I said, I've been telling you that it possibly was a third invasion where Daniel and his, and his friends were taken. Some still commentators believe that, and that can be true, but I believe based on my study, just research, I said, huh. It seems to have been in the first invasion, 605. The second deportation is when Jehoiachin, the son, his mother, the craftsman, and all of them are taken because Jehoiachin rebelled as well. He says, I'm tired of paying this tribute to this king. And so he was going to seek an alliance with somebody else. He already been told, no, no, just do what God says, just go ahead and Suffer your consequences. Do you not know sometimes when you try to avoid consequences or what sometimes what a situation may be, there may be something you have to go through and you try to go all around it, try to avoid it, and you know that sometimes you just got to go through? Well, all the time that you spend trying to get around it for three, four, five months, you're going to have to still go through it and you probably could have been done by that time. Putting up such a fight. If God says that I'm going to use this as chastisement, say, Lord, don't lead me to these enemies. Just go ahead and take me through. I'm sorry, and I'll just go ahead and just have to deal with it, but not obey you. What does God want? He wants obedience. So we have Jehoiachin who rebelled. And he and his officers surrendered. The king took them to Babylon. He was able to live. 
One of the things that would be most devastating is to lose your harem, your wives. Back then they were out several and had a harem all taken away and only the poor in the land was left in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that Mataniah, who was the uncle of Jehoiachin, the second king, that he was put in charge by King Nebuchadnezzar. His name was changed by King Nebuchadnezzar to Zedekiah, the third one. So he's put in charge, and for 11 years, then he rebelled. Now you will read in the book of Kings, or Jeremiah, I should say, where Jeremiah had been warning him. Now, the Lord has already said that if you surrender to the king Nebuchadnezzar, if you go ahead and just submit and surrender, go ahead and do the stuff, the years that God has ordained, man, you are gonna, you can live. But then he had some false prophets that had been telling him, man, Jeremiah don't know what he's talking about. The king is not going to come and get you. You're not going to be captured by no Babylonian, no Nebuchadnezzar. He is a man that's beside himself. Jeremiah doesn't know what he's talking about. And because of the hatred that they had for the truth, they decided to do Jeremiah harm. Now, let me tell you this. It is often the case when God is not, he is not with the majority. He's oftentimes dealing with the few. If you see everybody going this direction, be careful. Take, take, take note. I see everybody going that way. Step back and just wait a minute. Hold on a second. I see only a couple of people going this way. Why are these two rebelling going this way? Why? Because a lot of people want to go, don't cause any problems. Just go along with everything. Y'all better stop. Pay attention. Because the Lord oftentimes is not dealing with the crowd. Sometimes dealing just with the few. And Jeremiah was the prophet who stood alone opposing what the false prophets were telling King Zedekiah, who was saying, you don't need to surrender. Nebuchadnezzar's not going to bother you. He's not going to get into this city. The Bible says they were prophesying lies. And they got so upset with Jeremiah that they threw him in a cistern, this deep hole, this deep well that he couldn't get out of. And it was this Ethiopian who went to the king and says, if we don't get Jeremiah out of there, he's going to die. So Zedekiah said, go get him. And so Abed went to the king's palace, got some rags, went to where the cistern was, and told Jeremiah, tie these rags under your arms and around you. And they pulled him out. The Lord does not always keep you from getting into the pit or trouble, but he knows how to deliver you in the trouble. Some of you sometimes are so busy trying to avoid all the trouble and so concerned about making a mistake that you don't do anything. You don't go anywhere. You say, well, I may fail. So what? Fail. Try. How do you know if you, if you succeed? Sometimes most inventions have occurred because people have made mistakes. They have found out that this works by not doing this. When they lifted him out of that pit, the king called for him. Zedekiah called for Jeremiah, and I want to actually read a portion of this, and I'm going to be done in about seven minutes for today. I want you to turn back with me to the book of Second Kings. Or, no, I want to go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I think it's going to be 38. Let me just see here. I want you to follow this, follow along with me, please. Jeremiah 38, beginning at verse 14. This is after Jeremiah has been raised out of the cistern. 
When Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and received him at the third entrance of the temple of the Lord, the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you a question. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I tell you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you counsel, will you not listen to me? Then King Zedekiah swore secretly to Jeremiah, As the Lord lives, who made our souls, I will not put you to death or deliver you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Zedekiah was a little coward. He said, I'm not gonna, I won't, you won't get in trouble. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared. And this city shall not be burned with fire. And you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans. And they shall burn it with fire. And you shall not escape from their hand. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Judeans who have deserted to the Chaldeans, uh, lest I be handed over to them. And they deal cruelly with me. Jeremiah said, you shall not be given to them. Obey now the voice of the Lord in what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the vision which the Lord has given, has shown to me. Behold, all the women left in the house of the king of Judah were being led out to the officials of the king of Babylon and were saying, Your trusted friends have deceived you and prevailed against you. Now that your feet are sunk in the mud, they turn away from you. All your wives... And your son shall be led out to the Chaldeans, and and you yourself shall not escape from their hand, but shall be seized by the king of Babylon. The city shall be burned with fire. I'm going to pause there. King Zedekiah, even after hearing this, did not surrender, did not listen, and still refused and rebelled against the Lord. In 586, the city of Jerusalem... The city was destroyed by fire. The temple was burned down. The temple that Solomon had built burned down from the prophecy that had been given. The Bible says if you surrender, you can avoid certain issues. Now get this. What we read back in Kings, when Zedekiah was there and some of the men got scared and they broke through the hole in Jerusalem and they fled, they ran. Now in the book of Obadiah, it says, do not Gloat over your enemies. Do not stand at the crossroads. It is believed that when the men of valor broke through Jerusalem at this third time when Nebuchadnezzar had come, that some of the Edomites were standing at the crossroads and turned them over to King Babylon, to the king of Babylon. So when it says, don't stand at the cross at the crossroads for the fugitives and turned them over. Some commentators believe that some of the Edomites were there. Now remember, in Edom, we've been talking about the judgment of God. They gloated. They were happy when the king of Babylon came and they helped them to succeed in their case. And when they were ransacking the place, I told you last week, they were like vultures, standing back waiting for death to occur. Don't be like a vulture. <laughs> don't, don't be like a bird of prey waiting for the carcass to die. Or the person that died, so this is the carcass. The Lord said to Edom, you're not going to get away. When you look at all the events in history, how they tie into the word of God, one of the things that's clear that I wrap this up for today 
is that even when judgment comes, there is protection by being in Christ, being in God. It is better to be in God and allowing him to correct you than being outside of his will, having to deal with the consequences. Today I am not sure when there is the opportunity to accept God why many people won't. I know that when I told you when I was a kid, I felt like I would not be able to have fun. And so I told you I was repenting every week. I was, oh, Lord, I have to do my thing and come run back to the church on Sunday. Okay, thank you, Lord. Back out during the week, doing my thing. (laughs) You can have fun serving God. And I don't have a hangover in the morning. I have come to realize that we grow because of what we go through. We are strengthened by what we face. So if the Lord is bringing a trial to you, if he is bringing difficulty and says that you can make it, go ahead and stand firm and go through. You don't want to be like one of God's enemies to where you are always fighting against God. You don't want to be like the Edomites who was considered to be part of the enemy and where the Lord says, when I wipe all of the enemies of Israel off the map, off the face of the earth, Edom, even though you were a brother to Jacob, I'm going to wipe you off as well. One of the wonderful things about God is that when he leaves a remnant in the land so that you can come back. One of the things that we always love is when God has been merciful and gracious to us, when we blow, he always has his arms out there. We're the one that says, no, I've gone too far. I can't come back. God says, no, come on back. I've got grace for you. Where are you going to go to get grace? Satan got grace for you. All Satan's going to do is kick you. (laughs) But when you blow it, you always have the opportunity to come back. And while Edom should have been the ones in the book of Obadiah welcoming and helping, not turning them over, they were sitting there gleeful so that when the Babylonians left, they moved into the land to take over. Where they should have been the ones because of the blood relationship. But God says, I see you. And so when judgment comes, you will be included in that. See, I want God's judgment when I have to deal with it, to be one of correctiveness, of of correcting me so that I have some mercy and grace mixed in there. I don't want to just have judgment with no mercy or grace. I don't want want that. Neither do you. When I got in trouble, I wanted my parents to have mercy on me. Have mercy, have mercy. I was often hoping they would forget what what I'd done. I was hoping they forgot they had four kids and only had three when I was in trouble. Y'all got three kids. Therefore, I don't have to get in trouble. Stand to your feet, please. (laughs) God knows the children that are his. He knows those who belong to him. The three invasions that led Israel to Babylon, God preserved them and then brought them back to the land. If you are out there right now and not sure where to go, the best thing that you could always do is come back to the Lord. God, in this place as we leave, We pray today that we won't be like Edom that was standing at the crossroads, gloating and turning their brothers over to the enemy. But we pray today that we will be the ones that are the rescuers, the helpers, that will be the ones to stand and to help and provide the support, not for sin, 
but for righteousness, showing mercy. May we understand and know that, God, you love people and you know what's best. And that when we are dealt with dealing with correction, it is for our good to bring us to a place so that we can be under the wonderful grace and kindness of God. So today we pray that you would help us. We don't want to meet with the coming judgment of God, but we want to have the wonderful grace and mercy applied to us. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. May God bless you.